Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 346 for the 9th of Cheshvan in a leap year. So back in the day when I was in high school, one of my favorite teachers was this woman named Mrs. Dworkin. And she taught not only at my high school, but also at the other branch of my high school. So my high school had two different branches to it and in different neighborhoods. And maybe it was because my branch, um, the branch of my high school, incorporated not only English-speaking people, but also it had a whole French section, which uh, for those of you that are familiar in Montreal, the French section um, incorporated kids that were mostly of Sephardi origin for the most part. So a lot of Moroccans, some Israelis, you know, things like that. So maybe there was that extra spice that was created from that. But we were definitely a much more spicier kind of quote unquote division than the other division. The other division had exclusively English speakers, um, more Ashkenazi, more vanilla, you can say, you know, kind of people. So Interestingly, um, our school, as you could imagine, we were a lot more boisterous, and this created a lot of trouble for a lot of the teachers. A lot of the kids were very loud and very um, challenging to a lot of the teachers. But one day, I was talking to my teacher, Mrs. Dworkin, about her experience teaching at the high school, and she said that she actually enjoyed teaching us a lot more than she taught than she enjoyed teaching at the other division, because she said at the other division, yes, they were a lot more well behaved, but they just kind of just sat there and listened and it was a very passive experience it wasn't very exciting versus when she taught at our school there was a lot more activity there was a lot more challenge it was much more exciting Um, the kids asked her questions challenged her ideas and really made her think it was much more animated I know that for me personally, Mrs. Dorkin was a huge influence on my life. I asked, I personally asked her a lot of questions that really uh, bothered me about Judaism that I really struggled with. And she really was the first person who took my questions really seriously and gave me really amazing answers that ended up really impacting my life. So the reason I bring this up in the context of what we're going to be learning about in today's Tanya is in truth, there really are two different ways to learn. There is a very passive way of learning where you just kind of like sit there and absorb the information kind of like, you know, is this going to be on the test kind of thing and, uh, and, and just memorize it for the sake of, of the test or for to be able to spew it out later on. Or there's a much more active kind of learning, which is where you're a lot more involved, you're a lot more engaged in the material. And the result of this much more active involvement in the material can actually lead to a place of not just being able to get the right answers on the test and and give over the information verbatim to somebody else, but it can actually lead to something much deeper than that, which is the idea of innovation. So 
this is a big topic actually in Chassidus. It's spoken about at length in many different places about this idea that eventually if you have this teacher-student kind of relationship, the student can actually come to a place where they can actually understand things that and the, understand the material in a way that's even higher than the teacher. Where that saying that the student teaches the teacher isn't just like a saying that we say, but it's actually true on a couple of levels. First of all, when the teacher teaches the student, the teacher is forced to delve really deeply into themselves to uh, figure out the best way to articulate the material to the student. And that's going to lead the teacher to come to a deeper understanding of the material. But then on another level, the student who's absorbing the material, if they absorb the material pro properly and they process it in a, real, in a way that's going to be really personal to them, given that the student has different experiences than the teacher has, the student can come up, come up with new insights with new innovations and new applicability to this teaching, to the teachings that the teacher didn't have before. And what we'll learn about today is that in fact, this second type of learning, this learning that leads to a state of innovation is the type of learning that God asks of us, that God wants of us. This is how he wants us to learn Torah. This is why it's actually an obligation on all of our parts. I, I only learned this pretty recently, so I'm going to teach it to you guys now, that it's actually an obligation of every Jew to come up with what are known as chidushim, to come up at, with insights, with innovations, with new insights into Torah ideas. So we're not just supposed to be passive learners of the Torah. We're not just supposed to sit there and, tr and like take in the material and listen to it and be able to quote it verbatim. We're actually supposed to absorb the material to such an extent that we can come up and we should come up with new ideas, with new insights, new applicabilities from this Torah that we learn. And as we'll learn today, this is something that is unique to the human experience. This is something that cannot be done by angels, that cannot be done by higher spiritual beings. And it's specifically due to our lowly nature as humans, specifically due to the fact that we are here in this physical world and we're having these physical experiences that we can bring Torah to this new level, to these new levels of innovation, because these are experiences that angels don't have. And as we'll learn, this process, this process of innovation, of creating Torah innovation, actually brings redemption to the world. It's actually a way of redeeming God, redeeming godly sparks, which are trapped here in this world, as we've spoken about with the idea of the shattering of the vessels, right? Again, it brings to mind this imagery for me of mining Bitcoin. It's like there's these Bitcoins. There's You can think of the Bitcoins as the godly sparks that are out there waiting to be mined, with these innovations, these sparks, these insights that are waiting to be mined. And we have the power to mine them. We have the power to uncover them. Because truly, if when we think about this idea of innovation, maybe this is a little bit of a tangent, but like when we think about the idea of innovation, as any artist will tell you, as anyone who's ever written a song or painted a painting or made a sculpture or whatever it is, the feeling that the artist gets when they do these things is not so much that they created this thing, that they created this piece of music, that but rather that they uncovered this, this music from that, that existed somewhere in the ether and they discovered it, they uncovered it, you know, or if you think about any invention, the invention of the internet, the invention of the iPhone or those kind of things, it's sort of like if you think about it, these things were waiting to be uncovered. These inventions were waiting to be discovered and, and whether it was Steve Jobs or whoever it is that discovered these things, this was a discovery process. This innovation, innovation and discovery are really kind of go hand in hand. So in this discovery process, very very much like this process of mining Bitcoin is that is, is what we're doing is we're redeeming these sparks from their place. We're redeeming these insights 
um, from out of a place of hiding, of captivity. And again, it's specifically the human that's able to do this because as humans, we have this unique ability where it's like on the one hand, we have these, uh, we have a soul, we have a godly soul. So we have a connection to these spiritual ideas, to Torah, to God, right? On the other hand, we are a soul trapped in a very, very physical body, a body that's likened to a serpent's skin, according to Kabbalah. Uh, and that physical body is very earthly, very here in this world isn't that different than really the substance of many impure things here in this world. So in which the Torah is trapped, in which many of these Torah insights are trapped. So by virtue of us kind of having this connection with the physical reality, we specifically have this ability to go and to uncover the insights, to innovate in a way that spiritual angelic beings cannot so that's what today's subject is going to be. It's all about this idea, all about the obligation to innovate when we learn Torah and to come up with new insights and not just to passively learn the Torah and what this process does uh, on a spiritual level in connection to the redemption, to redeeming the godly sparks. So let's get into the text and see how the Altar Rebbe explains this. And for context, we are still in Epistle 26 that we've been learning for a while. And so here we go. So yeah, so basically, so um, to leaving off from, from last time, if you listened to yesterday's episode, and please go back and listen to it if you haven't yet, uh, we, we began talking about this process, about why it is that we find that this whole Shakla Vitaria, it's called this whole like back and forth debate process that we find so prevalent in the Talmud. Why is the Talmud structured in that kind of way? Is because this mirrors this um, this Bururim process, this process of clarification, this sorting through, just like if you sort through a messy closet you need to in order to organize it you need to uh, move one thing in this direction another thing in that direction so that's what the Gemara is really doing is this, it's the debate process is this sorting through of the confusion of this world of the uh, it mirrors the confusion of, of 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 the world in which we live the good and bad and through sorting through it through engaging in this Talmudic debate we actually do sort through it and we make the world into a more clarified place. Okay, so for leaving off from there, now today's Tanya, the ultra bit begins and he says that the higher beings, um, they don't have this power to be able to to clarify and to uh, to elevate from the from the breaking of the vessels, uh, the, the, uh, these sparks out from the breaking of the vessels, the, these sparks that, that became trapped in the klipas noga, in the husks. Only the lower beings have this ability to be, to be able to do this. Why? Because they are vested in a very material body, which is called the mashcha dechivya, um, as we called it, the hide of the ser serpent, which comes from Klipas Noga. So we spoke about this before. We This this uh, term, the mashcha dechivya, the ser serpent skin, came up in previous parts of the Tanya, in chapter 31 of the Tanya, to be specific, we spoke about this. So because our souls are trapped within this serpent's serpent skin which is uh which is our bodies which derives from klipas noga we have a connection to the place in which these sparks fell and these souls thus by virtue of the soul our souls being within these physical bodies our souls now have the ability to with its strength to be able to break the the passions to break um 
the Taivos, it's called in Hebrew, and to subdue, subjugate the Sitra Acha, the other side, so that all the Klipos will be dispersed. So, uh, and that's, that's a, a quote from Tehillim, that's from Tehillim chapter 92, verse 10. So sometimes, you know, like, um, Again, in order to sort through sometimes, sometimes you need to just disperse it all. So again, just like the, the closet analogy, let's say your closet's like a big, big mess. The first thing you need to do is take everything out of the closet. I remember when I was a little kid, I had this book called How to Clean Your Room that I really liked. My room was always very messy and I, I didn't know how to clean it. It was like a thing. How do you clean your room? And one of the methods in the book was, uh, was to take every single thing in your room on the floor, everything like that, and put it on your bed, dump it on your bed, which then what that what is that doing? That's that's creating a bigger mess, right? It's dispersing everything onto your bed. But sometimes in order to create, uh, in, in order to dispel the mess, in order to, to, to break the klipos in this case, you have to dispel them. You have to really spread them out. And somehow by, by doing this, this dispersion process, whether it's taking everything out of your closet and like spreading it all over the place or taking everything in your room and putting it on that bed and spreading it out on your bed, the intensity of the mess kind of gets, gets a little bit, a little lightened, right? It's like, before you do that, before you take everything out of your closet or before you put everything onto your bed, there's like this heaviness. There's like this like intensity, like, oh, wow, there's like this huge mass. How am I going to deal with this? But once you spread it all out, you know, then you can actually see it and you know what you're dealing with. And it's it's not as intense. It kind of breaks it a little bit. So it's the same idea when it comes to the Sitra Akhra. If we want to dispel the intensity of this negativity, we need to break it. And by breaking it, it disperses it. And, uh, and in dispersing it, it weakens its strength. And so this is why, so going back to, to the Tanya text, so, so now that we understand how it is that us humans, by virtue of the fact of us having a connection to physicality, we specifically have the ability to do this. This is why specifically the, uh, the, the higher realms come down to listen to Chizushe Torah, to innovations on the Torah from the lower realms. So you have these higher and, um, beings, these heavenly beings that come down and listen to what we come up with, to the innovations that we have come up with in the Torah. Um, which these insights are things that uh, that are coming and that there are these new ideas that are being revealed, these revelations of the secrets of wisdom that were tr that were held in captivity in exile up until then. So Again, there's this there's this idea that these innovations, it's not that they're really, really something like totally new. It's that these innovations are revealing something that was hidden up until now, until the person revealed it. And now the ultra goes on and he says that every Jewish person has this ability to reveal these secrets of wisdom and to bring to to discover these new insights to make these chedushim, to, to, um, to bring about these new innovations, whether we're talking about in halacha, so in terms of Jewish law, whether we're talking about agadot, which literally means homiletics, which is like, you know, uh, writing sermons or lectures or things like that, uh, whether we're talking about the revealed part of the Torah, or whether we're talking about the mystical part of Torah, the secret part of Torah, um, each one according to the nature of the soul, the root of their soul. And not only this, not only do we, each one of us have the ability to do this, we each actually have an obligation to do this in order to complete our soul by elevating all of the sparks that fell into our um, portion as is known. So it's there's this concept of, again, there's this shattering the vessels, right? And the sparks that resulted from it. And there's this idea that we're, that each one of us, every single Jewish person, 
There's specific sparks that fell that relate specifically to our soul. And during our lifetime, we have the obligation, uh, like our life mission is associated with these sparks and elevating these particular sparks, which sometimes could be why we're attracted to live in a certain area uh, or to learn a certain portion of Torah or attracted certain mitzvahs. This most likely is going likely is going to be an indication that there's sparks in that area that are related to us that we need to elevate. And so through coming up with different Torah insights into different Torah innovations, this is a way of us redeeming these sparks that re that specifically relate to our soul. And now the altar back here has a parenthesis where he says that in addition to all of this, every single word of Torah, specifically when we talk about halacha, is a spark of the Shekhinah, the spark of the, the indwelling of God, which is what is the Shekhinah? If you've been following Tanya so along uh, for, a for a while, you know that the Shekhinah is synonymous with the speech word of God, the speech of God. Um, as it says explicitly in the Gemara, in Masechet Shabbos, page 138b, Dvar Hashem Zohalacha, the word of God, is halacha. That's what the word of God is. So bearing this in mind that the word of God is halacha, and then we know what is the word of God. The word of God is the shechina, and the shechina, another word for the word, uh, the shechina is malchus of etzilis. So then the secret of malchus of etzilis, as we know, which is, which closed the chachma of etzilis, as we've spoken about previously, and how both of these become in, invested in malchus of etzirah, we spoke about this in, I believe, yesterday's episode. Malchus of Yitzhira is the home, the realm of the Mishnah. Uh, and that all of these fell, this, this Malchus of Yitzhira, uh, which, which cl clothes within it the Malchus of Atzillus, which clothes within it the Chochmah of Atzillus, all of this fell and descended into the Klipas Noga in the shattering of the vessels. So what this basically is saying, this parenthesis, I hope you didn't get lost there, is that basically um, through speaking words of Torah, and not only speaking words of Torah, but through coming up with innovations in the Torah that redeem uh, these Torah ideas, what we're actually redeeming is that we're redeeming the Shechina. We're redeeming the Shechina that fell to this lower place here into the Klipas. And the ultra bit concludes here, and he says that this is this explains that which is taught in in the Gemara in Masechet Brachos, page eight a, that uh, that anybody who's involved with Torah, that God says, I consider it for him. I consider as if he redeemed me and my children from amongst the nations of the world. So. Really, so this is a real thing. So this is this is the end of the section. So the basic idea is that learning Torah is not such a simple thing. It's not just in order to enhance our brains, in order to make us more knowledgeable and all of that. Sure, that's a great thing. But there's something much more powerful going on when we learn Torah. And especially when we learn Torah such, to such an extent that we internalize it to the point that we can really innovate and come up with new insights, new ideas in the Torah. By doing this, we actually redeem God and redeem the world in this process. So just one final note that I'd like to end on here is like hearing these ideas, it might sound almost heretical to some people. Like, what do you mean to innovate? Like, isn't there one Torah? Like what, how, how are we supposed to innovate? Like, are we supposed to come up with a new Torah? So it's not that you come up with a new Torah, but the basic idea is that, and you can try this even with today's episode, really think about these ideas and think about how they apply to your life and see if you can come up with a new insight, a new 
like spin and you take on this idea so that if you were to go and teach this to someone else, which I encourage you to do, because I know from my own experience, teaching is really the best way to learn. And it's such a good way to enhance other people's lives as well. Maybe, you know, I gave examples of mining Bitcoin, you know, and cleaning out my closet and stuff like that. Maybe you have your own examples. Maybe you have your own little different twists, different take on it that you can take out of this. And that can be your insight. That can be your innovation in the world that you can use in order to redeem the Shekhinah from out of these sparks that fell into this Torah. So I'll leave you with that. And uh, we'll continue along these lines tomorrow when I believe we finally conclude this epistle. And I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzchak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.